I've heard of many tragic cases of walking, talking, normal children who wound up with profound mental disorders after vaccines. Hello, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. That voice is that of Republican Senator Rand Paul, and he was speaking about measles and other vaccines and questioning whether or not they could lead to greater health problems. The fact that Paul, a potential presidential candidate, speaks about this and has a platform. Is it problematic? Is it a concern? Is he saying something that needs to be heard? Or is he making the situation worse? And could lives depend on him saying this? My guest is Dr. Art Kaplan, and all of what you just heard was a setup to talk with Dr. Kaplan about one of the biggest controversies and discussions in the country right now, which is the measles vaccine, other vaccines, whether or not people have the right to get these vaccines, to not have the vaccines, and clearly as an audience of physicians and healthcare providers, I think this is something that we are all interested in and discussing. Uh, you probably have heard Dr. Kaplan on many broadcasts and, and through many articles over the years. He is one of the nation's leading bioethicists. He's at New York University. He's been a guest on our program before. And Dr. Kaplan, first of all, thank you for your time. Hey, thanks for having me. My first question for you is that yeah, we heard Rand Paul, uh, Governor Christie made some comments and then has backtracked. First of all, my question to start off is, I mean, Rand Paul is a former ophthalmologist. He's mm-hmm. a physician. So that then carries the political weight as well as that of a physician. And yet he's not really talking from a standpoint of evidence. It sounds more anecdotal. What do we do with that? I think he's really talking from ideology. Rand Paul is a libertarian. Doesn't make any bones about that. He puts free choice and freedom first. But I think he makes a grave mistake when he says, look, I've heard of many cases of harm. I've heard is not science. I've heard is not evidence. Testimonials aren't evidence. In fact, I don't think the evidence bears out what he's saying. I think he's letting his drive to sort of let people choose distort the reality of the safety of vaccines. So when that happens and that gets involved, it's it's really hard for someone who maybe doesn't have medical knowledge, just a mother or a father of a young child, they hear this, it's got to be confusing. Really confusing, and, you know, you don't want to send out those mis- mixed messages in the middle of a measles epidemic. That's even worse. It still uh, would help people if they went out and got a shot. <clears throat> if they've never had one, it would help kids to go get vaccinated if they haven't been vaccinated. The vaccine acts very quickly, confers immunity. So you don't want to be in the middle of an epidemic saying, well, I don't know, you could really get injured by this. I mean, it's that kind of uh, fear-mongering that set up the conditions for the epidemic in the first place. should also add, Brian, you know, uh, not so many years ago, Michelle Bachman got into trouble for suggesting that the HPV vaccine could cause uh, autism and other mental problems. She got challenged. I certainly challenged her. And it ultimately ended her campaign. I think that could be the fate of Rand Paul on this one. Well, what happens is it's very interesting because we do get – more or less an immediate response. Uh, I put something up on Facebook just talking mm. about the general thing, and I was curious to see what the response would be. I did it to make it a point, but also at the same time, I was curious. Thus far, at least at this point, 100% of people, and I'm sure it's not that way, but 100% of people are agreeing with the thought that we need to be responsible, that we need to get these vaccines, and there's a cause for protection. I do think there seems to be a shift as a result of this, maybe because we're seeing this increased number of cases. 
I do, too. I think there's been sort of a sea change. For a long time, opponents of vaccination, critics of vaccination, were kind of getting heard, uh, rightly or wrongly. The media was picking up on their sort of arguments that this was dangerous or it was a plot of the pharmaceutical industry. But when you have an epidemic take place, and I might add, one that takes place in Disneyland, pure, wholesome Disneyland, and then begins to sort of roar across the nation, I think people are paying attention to that. And I think doctors, nurses, we've got a sea change going on out there that provides an opportunity to sort of push vaccine education. People are listening. Now, Chris Christie has come out, and he has talked about the importance of people making choice, parents making mm-hmm. choice. From an ethical standpoint, I mean, I understand the concept that people should have choices, and we all want to have choices. But are there certain things from a health standpoint that should be 100% and that need to be done for the safety of others? And from an ethical standpoint, is that something that can or should be done? So I think our ethical duty is to protect children. I think Vulnerable children can't decide whether they want vaccines or not. When you have diseases that are preventable, the state does have an interest in protecting them. And there are particularly children who can't be vaccinated, who have uh, immune diseases or might be in the middle of cancer therapy or newborns who can't build immunity. They need protection, too, and the only way to protect them is to make sure we get to very high levels of uh, vaccination so we can produce herd immunity, probably above 90 92%. So when you hear Chris Christie say, well, let's think about choice, I have to wonder, well, where are your priorities? We wouldn't say to people, you know, there are car seats, and if you choose, you could put your kid in a car seat. But if you don't want to, you know, that's something you could choose. Or you can keep a gun in your home, and that's something you can choose to do. But if you want to put it on the dining room table when kids come over, you know, you could do that too. Clearly, we have to restrict freedom when it starts impacting the health of children, when it starts impacting the health of our neighbors. So when you have these kind of debates, and by the way, I I love when these debates occur because people become more educated and they have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to learn. Mm -hmm. But when you have a debate like this, um, you know, I was doing, uh, I'll give you an example, I was doing a report for KYW News Radio, which is based in Philadelphia, and we were preparing it for the network, and we were talking about German measles versus measles. It's something I totally forgotten when I was thinking about rubella, but it's very important is that if someone is exposed to rubella when they're pregnant, they can have a miscarriage. They can have fetal abnormalities, birth defects, which a lot of people don't even know. They just heard of the measles vaccine, but measles is part of measles, mumps, and rubella, and there could easily be issues with rubella or German measles in this country, and then all of a sudden you can be in a situation where pregnant women and, and unexpected people could be impacted. You know, one of the terrible ironies is that a lot of pregnant women are worried vaccination might hurt their fetus. Um, Obviously, the best thing you could do is to be vaccinated, and the next best thing is to have everybody else around you vaccinated so they're not communicating to you. But we've forgotten these diseases. Uh, Measles probably kills three out of a 1,000 people from encephalitis. You probably get about one in 100 hospitalizations. And I had measles when I was little. I'm that old, and it's no fun. It's definitely a debilitating illness to go through. So we forget that. And I think some of the parents who are saying, well, I don't know, I'm not sure I want to vaccinate my child, they're trying to be protective, but they forget the thing they have to protect against the most is these rapidly communicated diseases, the safety profiles. Even if one said, you know, there are, there's a tiny bit of risk here, it doesn't even get close to uh, uh, making any sense to avoid vaccines. Uh, you know, let me add one other thing about Governor Christie. Uh, Listeners may remember 
when we were in the middle of the Ebola outbreak, if anybody remembers that, it was last October <laughs> when we were all nervous about Ebola, he locked up a nurse who came back uh, from uh, Sierra Leone, Casey Hickox, and said, you've got to stay in a tent, a plastic tent with no water and no heat and no videos, and you've got to stay there 21 days because you might be a risk. She said, I don't have any symptoms. You shouldn't keep me here. He said, I've got to put the public health first. Well, if he's going to put people in plastic tents, why doesn't it make sense to say the public health first and let's really make it tough to avoid vaccines? Well, the next question comes up, and it's an important one, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever. It seems as if people, politicians, tend to jump on these things and, and feel as if they have to comment about it and make some sort of point. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be an issue as well. Well, you know, with the measles epidemic, you're going to get politicians ask questions. What I think is appropriate is what the American Association of Pediatrics suggested. Don't talk unless you know the science. You could say, I have to research this or I have to look it up or I'm going to have someone on my staff get back to you on that so I make sure I don't say anything inaccurate. But instead, what we get is a lot of playing to perceived audiences, people like freedom, people like self-determination. Some politicians say, I'll play it that way. Uh, Other people are going to say, look, you know, Politically, I think people are scared about this epidemic. I'm going to promote vaccines. What we want is sound, evidence-based, scientifically-based, not anecdotes, not ideology, but good public health policy. And that hasn't really been an evidence in the political discussion of vaccines. It hasn't been an evidence for, sadly, many decades. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, your host, and with me is Dr. Art Kaplan, one of the premier bioethicists in the country. We're talking about the measles vaccine and the controversy and the ethics surrounding it and the issues and a little bit about politicians and and their voice. Um, When you talk about something like this, we have another phenomenon, and we've talked about it with Ebola and other issues. We have all these 24-7 news stations that have to fill time. And not only that, you have 24-7 news stations that have one political view or another, and they're Mm -hmm. appealing to certain audiences. That also can be an issue, can it? It can, because you basically have somebody saying, well, we're going to put on the air people who maybe are representing tiny minority points of view in the middle of this debate because we've got time to fill, or we want to draw eyeballs while people are paying attention to us. You know, there were all kinds of crazy uh, views that were espoused in the media about Ebola, where it came from, what it was going to do in the United States. It was pretty clear it wasn't going to do much. We could control it. We knew what to do with it. Uh, Even when there was a mistake in Dallas, we knew how to handle it. And it never really was a huge threat, but there were people screaming Armageddon on the 24-7 cable channels. Similarly, on measles, you've got all kinds of people espousing all kinds of, uh, let's say, theories, delay vaccines, spread them out, you know, you don't want to take them all at once, this sort of thing. I'm not sure those people deserve a platform, but basically the media runs out of gas, wants to keep you watching. So up and comes somebody uh, who says, you know, I I know for a fact that uh, people who've gotten the measles vaccine have grown a second head. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, 24 years ago, I covered a measles outbreak in Philadelphia. Mm, the Philly one, yeah. And, and five children died at that time. And I remember saying we should learn from this and continue to vaccinate. And, and yet now you see a situation where 
Fortunately, we have not seen the deaths, but we're starting to see rising numbers. Uh, I heard a statistic where uh, it's one out of a thousand exposed to measles could die, and we're now almost up to 700 cases in the United States, which is making you fearful that you know statistically mm-hmm. we're coming closer to that point as well. The other issue is um, many years ago, while he was alive, I had a chance to interview C. Everett Coop, and I was debating him uh, shortly after the chickenpox varicella vaccine was approved. Mm-hmm. Why we need this? You know, we don't need this. Is this an excuse to let people go to work? Is it a way? Is this to make money for a drug company? I mean, I went through all these arguments, and he said all good points, Dr. McDonough. But as only the Surgeon General could say, he said, where were you when they were debating this? Because now that it's been approved, we need 100% or this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And so part of the problem is if you don't get that, community buy-in, if people don't worry about their neighbor as much as they worry about themselves, then none of this vaccine stuff is going to work. Um, I think the Surgeon General was probably right then to yell at you. And my hunch is, even now, when you look out there uh, quietly in the middle of this measles epidemic, I noticed that there was a $50 million cut in the health care budget that's been proposed for vaccination. Well, you know, I'm not in love with the uh, enriching uh, drug companies, but I'd much rather see $50 million spent on preventing diseases, that's going to save us money and a lot of uh, suffering, than I am in treating diseases. So cutting the budget in the middle of a measles epidemic to pay for kids to get shots, that makes no sense. And that is a very interesting point, and maybe this is one thing we could wrap up with, because I know I could talk with you all night long, And but one of the things is the whole concept in healthcare now we talk a big game about prevention and mm. importance, but it always seems we're still trapped in the what's the next big procedure, the next G whiz, and we still don't put those dollars into helping problems with obesity, looking at the foods we're taking, trying to understand vaccines. All of these things, we just always seem to be behind the curve, and yet it's so logical to do it. How is there a way to impact those who fund these things to think that way? Well, you know, ethically, you've got to get people to think, what about your kids? What about the future kids? We can't just spend continually trillions of dollars on us. It's not uh, the best way to use money if we don't have the best cures. So politically, politicians say, well, let's spend on uh, folks in the here and now. They don't spend enough on research. You know, we've got a $20 billion research budget on a trillion-dollar-plus health care bill, and that doesn't make any sense. It's politically silly should be spending more on research to improve things. And on prevention, you know, uh, sadly, what we usually have is a guy from the public health department with a poster of an apple going up against Ronald McDonald. So if you're going to really make a difference, we've got to be more committed not just to talk about the value of prevention, but to enact it in our policy. And I think doctors should be talking, nurses should be talking with their patients about that about the fact that that is important. Dr. R. Kaplan, I want to thank you. We've run out of time, but I really appreciate thank you, you for taking having the me. time to join me. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed part of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primary care today to download the podcast, and you can learn more on the series. Thanks again for listening.